0: Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Well, good morning, Epiphany Church. I don't know about y'all, but I would give anything to hear Gabe say "Europe" one more time. So maybe we can get him to do that next week. Uh, man, what an honor and delight it is to be here gathered with God's people. Happy New Year. It is a new year. Gabe is in here. So, Gabe, can you just do a Europe one more time? I don't know if y'all heard that, but it's the 2021 Gabe. Man, it's so good to be logged on with you guys. Uh, welcome. If you're under the sound of my voice, uh, really, honestly, number one, you made it. Uh, that's a big deal. That is something to just stop and pause and reflect on. But also, number two, realize that it is sheer grace that you have made it into a new year. Uh, Let me rush to publicly welcome our first time visitors or those of you who are logged on for the first time. It's a big deal and we are grateful that you that you're here. It's a few things you should know about our church. Uh, Number one, our church loves Jesus. So you'll hear a lot about him Uh, Number two, our church strives to be culturally relevant in all that we do in our worship and our preaching And we try to do so without tainting the Word of God And then number three, we love the Word of God. So let's do it. Grab your Bibles get your devices get your laptops Y'all get up wake up wake up and get to Romans Uh, We're gonna continue on our journey through Romans Romans 11. You can keep playing Romans 11 is where we're gonna hang out for a little bit uh as you turn there, just a couple of things to make note of. Gabe mentioned it, but I'll re-mention it if I can. Uh, our Reset 2021 prayer and fasting is, uh, is kicking off tomorrow morning at six o'clock. We are excited about a week of fasting and praying. Many of you are trying to make decisions in life right now. You you have some heavy decisions before you or Uh, You're just in that season of life where it's very transitional for you or or you're just trying to figure out the craziness of last year and trying to make sense of it going into a new year. Uh, I think this fast is appropriate for you. The timing is couldn't be more um, more needed. You know, Isaiah 43, 18 Geo read it in the message uh, in the message translation. Uh, I'll read it or, or say it in ESV. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing something new. And I think it's that newness that uh, we are striving to crystallize over the next week. We're, we're turning off uh, extracurricular things that we were doing and whether that's social media browsing or, uh, or, or Internet browsing or, or shopping or whatever it is that you do with your time outside of your work. Uh, we're asking that you would really shut down from it to spend time with the Lord. And so, yeah, we're fasting from food, but we're also fasting from anything that was a distraction And 2021. And so uh, it's going to be a great week of really getting in with the Lord. Let me quickly, I mean, really expeditiously walk through uh, the entire week on Monday. Tomorrow, uh, we are kicking it off at 6 a.m. with a prayer Zoom call, as Gabe mentioned. Uh, What he didn't mention, I'm excited to uh, let you guys know about is a a little bit of of a surprise. I called in a favor and we have uh, Kiara Sheard will be on with us at 6 a.m., for our prayer call. She will be leading worship and then kicking off our prayer. And I'm excited. Such a, um, just, I don't know, man, amazing young lady that really loves the Lord, that really strives to uh, to, to live with humility. And, and so to have her on is a big deal. So I, y'all don't leave your boy hanging. 6 a.m. In fact, 555. Make sure that you are logging on to the Zoom link so that we can all uh, kick off our week well. Kick off our year well. First Monday of the of the new year, we want to give it to the Lord. Amen. All right. So uh, that's Monday, Tuesday. We are doing a prayer and cooking with Tisha. She she's going to really just kind of help us to prepare a meal for to end the fast for the day. Uh, it's also prayer, so she'll spend some time praying and. Uh, Man, I don't know if you guys have ever had Tisha's cooking, but it is amazing. And so we'll be sending out the meal that she's going to be preparing and sending out the ingredients so that you can get them and prepare at the same time that she is uh, preparing. And then Wednesday, we're having prayer and Bible study. You can check out uh, where these links are. They're all on our our, they'll be in the app, but they'll also be uh, in a newsletter that we're sending out. And they'll be in our bio on uh, on Instagram We'll do 6 p.m. prayer and Bible study, uh, and I'm excited to lead that. And Thursday, we're doing a worship. I don't know what we're calling it, like a worship playlist creation where Rob and Chris will uh, get together, and they'll just uh, help us to create a worship list for the year, some songs that have really brought them through and specifically brought them through 2020. Uh, and then Friday, we'll do a 6 p.m. testimony service. All of these, none of these are, are in person. They'll all be virtual. So uh, we'll ask for you guys to send in some testimonies or at least email us that you have a testimony that you want to share. You can email info at epiphanybk.com. Uh, and we're looking forward to hearing how the Lord has sustained you and what you are you're praying for so that we can pray with you and then so we'll we'll do that on YouTube and Facebook live the same way we're doing this live now so prepare your hearts it's going to be a great week uh it's going to be an amazing time of really just connecting with the Lord uh, again fasting doesn't get God on your page it gets you on God's page it aligns you with the very heart of God and so please let's take it serious uh fasting's hard to do alone but doing it with the body doing it with people is always easier All right, let's get into it. Romans 11. I'm excited. We are finishing the chapter today. We have spent three weeks in chapter 11. I don't know if y'all have been paying attention, but we are moving. We're moving through this thing. All right, why don't you pick me up in verse 25. It says this, lest you be wise in your own sight. I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers, a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved as it is written. He's going to quote here, Isaiah 59. If you write in your Bible, just jot that in right here. Uh, Isaiah 59, y'all are millennials, so y'all just write it somewhere. Uh, The deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them, that when I take away their sins... Verse 28, as regard the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, please underline this. They are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. Underline this one, too. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received uh, mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have been disobedient in order that they, uh, in order that by the mercy shown to you, they may also now receive mercy. For God has consigned uh, consigned all to disobedience, that they, that he may have mercy on all. Watch this doxology. Oh, the debt. And the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgment and how unscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has made, who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for him, for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. I'm going to preach today from the one word topic, mercy. Let's uh, look to the Lord before we dig in. Our Father, as we dig into your word today, uh, we do so dependent on you. We are praying for your presence to be not only here, but because you are omnipresent, you can be in every single person's home no matter where they live. No matter if they are in Brooklyn or in New York or in this country or in this world, they can receive your presence in their home and God we are grateful that a God that is not limited that is not weak but that is omnipresent in everywhere right now and not confused but thank you Lord for your presence and I, I pray oh God that as we dig into your word that you would enlighten the eyes of our heart that we may behold the wondrous things out of your word it's in Christ's name we pray amen mercy is my topic when I was a kid, uh, my friends and I used to play this game and, and the game was actually called mercy. I don't know if you guys remember that game uh, where, where you would interlock fingers with somebody else and then you would count to three and then you would start to bend their wrist. And the, the goal was, was to exemplify dominance or, or, or to to give some type of pain to where you break the other person down to the point where they are screaming out for mercy I never was good at that game. I didn't get nice with these hands until I got a little bit older. Try Jesus, don't try me. But there was one point where I just wasn't good at the game. And I knew I wasn't good at the game when my sister used to beat me constantly over and over and over again. But do y'all remember that game? Anybody in this room remember that game? Where you would lock those fingers and you pull down and you'd be screaming and you'd be going, ah, mercy, mercy. And if we're not careful, This idea of exemplifying dominance or overpowering or inflicting pain or outmaneuvering your opponent in order to have them cry out for mercy. Sometimes I wonder if this is the concept of mercy that we have when it comes to God. I wonder if if, if we think that God is really sitting in heaven and he's locking fingers with us and he's breaking us down until we are screaming for mercy, I wonder if that's how we view our relationship with the Lord. Here's my question Is that an ac- accurate representation of who God is? Is that an accurate picture? Does that demonstrate the mercy that God has shown you? Here's what I know about uh, about mercy, that Paul in our text today, he begs to differ. He does not see God sitting in heaven but breaking us down, but he sees mercy as not dominance, but he sees mercy as kindness. He sees mercy as love. And many people struggle with this idea of God being a loving, merciful, kind God because we automatically assume that the God of heaven, the father of all, is like our natural fathers. And many people who have grown up without a natural father or grown up with a uh, dysfunctional father, many of us automatically assume that that is God, but God is love and God is kindness. And the way he shows that to us is through this idea of mercy. When we first started this chapter, Paul was very serious about making sure that you understood that God didn't cut Israel off. Yeah, yeah, he was upset with Israel because they denied the very king that he sent, the Messiah, Christ, the God in the flesh. They denied him, but he, he's very clear in our passage today that the hardening of Israel was a, the, notice the word that he uses in 20, verse 25, a partial hardening. In other words, it was purposeful. In in, in other words, it allowed the Gentiles to be grafted in. Remember, he talked about that in chapter 11 as well. But it also allowed Israel to know that God doesn't play when you denounce Jesus, when you denounce his son, when you denounce the savior and the sustainer of the world. I have three points that I think, uh, and we're not going to be long today. I have three points that I think Exemplify the verses that we read today. Here's the three points I have. I think they'll pop up on the screen. Point one, God keeps his promises despite our failures. Let me say that again. God keeps his promises despite our failures. Point two, God shows kindness despite our disobedience. And point number three, he receives our worship despite our imperfection. Let's go back to point one and dig through the text. God keeps his promises despite our failures. Watch this. Verse 25. Lest you be wise in your own sight. I do not want you to be unaware of this mysteries, of, this, uh, of the mysteries, brother, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all the Israel will be saved as it's written to deliver will come from Zion and will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be the covenant that I will take away their sins as regard to the gospel. They are enemies for your sake. But as regard to election, here's what I wanted to get to. They are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Let me say that again. The gifts And the calling of God are irrevocable. Let let me try to make it a little bit more plain. The gift of salvation is irrevocable. Do you understand what this idea of irrevocable means? It means leaving no regret. Whenever God saved you, he does not have regret uh, when you make a mistake. When you've made a failure, when you've made a bad decision, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. In other words, when God makes a promise, God is sure to keep it. God does not go back on his promise. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that when God made a promise to me that I would be saved, that he said it was eternal salvation, because if I could lose it, it's temporary salvation. But God is like, I'm a promise keeper. And the strength of the relationship is not on you, but the strength of the relationship is on God, his gifts. And his calling, according to the text, are irrevocable. God makes promises and he's sure to keep them. Pastor B, what are the promises that God has made in this passage? What is he talking about? Well, he's made a promise with Israel back in the Old Testament he looked at Israel and he said, you are my chosen race. You are my people. And Paul wanted to make sure that Israel understood that despite the fact that he chewed them up at the top of the chapter. Remember, he still says God has not rejected his people. He said he's talking to Israel, not to Gentiles right now. He's talking to Israel and saying, God in the old Testament made a covenant, not with you, but with your forefathers. In fact, it says that in verse 28, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. Then he goes in to say, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Let me help you when God saved you. He does not save you with the intent that he would not sustain you all the way through until he comes back for us. Yes, God makes a promise of salvation, but he keeps it. And here's why you should be rejoicing, because the reality is many of us should have lost it a long time ago. But the fact that God maintains the relationship shows me that this text is true, that his gift of salvation is irrevocable. Meaning, I know you messed up, but his gift of salvation is irrevocable. I know you've made a mistake, but that mistake doesn't mean that he went back on his promise to you. I know you've made a bad decision in 2020, but now that you've made it to 2021, you logged on for me to tell you that God does not subscribe to the cancel culture. God doesn't see you make a mistake and then disown you. God doesn't see you mess up and say, uh-uh, he not mine, she, she's not mine. No, he says, I love them, I put my blood on them, and because I put my blood on them, I do not go back on my promise, his gift of salvation. His irre- 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 irrevocable. And the reason that, it, yeah, that Israel can experience God unchangeable mercy is because God made a promise to Abraham. And he made a promise to Jacob. And he made a promise to Isaac, the forefathers. And what I love about this passage is He does not make a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then because of their righteousness, it has been extended to all generations. That's not what happens. He says, no, because they're fools and they mess up too. I still got to keep the strength of the relationship on me. And so he makes a promise to them. And whenever he makes a promise, he keeps it. Let me try to bring this to 2021 real quick. God has made a promise to many of you. Some of you sitting right in this room, God has made a promise. Yes, the main promise that he's talking about is salvation, but there is a secondary application. Whatever promise he's made to you, God is sure to keep it. me put Bible here. Numbers 23 verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should change his mind. I am grateful that I serve a God that fulfills his promise because I realized a long time ago that I don't uphold my end of the bargain, but God always upholds his end of the bargain. When I'm unfaithful, God is faithful. When I'm uncommitted, God is committed. When I'm unstable, God is stable. When I'm unreliable, God remains reliable. Can you take a second in your home and in this room to just praise a God that keeps his promise? God is able to keep every promise that he's made. Do you know how many promises are made in this this book? These 66 books that make up the Bible. Do you know how many promises are in here? 1956, Time Magazine ran an article. And the article was a, was a study that this guy, that this professor in Canada did, this, this professor by the name of Everick Storms, he did a detailed study on the promises of God written through scripture. It took him a year and a half to complete it, 27 times of reading the Bible cover to cover. He tried to capture in detail and write down all of the promises that God have made. You'd be surprised to know that 8,810 promises are made from God to man in the scriptures. And if I know God well, and if I understand God's character, He plans to fulfill all 8,810 promises that He's made to man. God is reliable. When people are independable, God is dependable. When, 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 when people are not consistent, God remains consistent. God is a promise keeper. Would you do me a favor and just type that in the chat room for me? God is a promise keeper. And I don't know what promise he made to you. And it may feel like it is denied, but just because it's delayed doesn't mean it's denied. And there there is somebody that's out there right now holding on to something that God said. And there's somebody else that's really ready to let go because you think, because it hasn't happened yet, that God doesn't fulfill his promises. But you logged on today for me to tell you that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. He doesn't go back on them. So in other words, God keeps his promise despite our mistakes or despite our failures. Point two, God shows kindness despite our disobedience. Pick me back up in verse 30. I hope y'all rocking through this text with me. Verse 30 says this, for just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience. So they too have been disobedient in order... That by that that by the mercy shown to you, they may now receive mercy for God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Paul says to the Gentiles now he stops talking to to the Jews and now he says to the Gentiles, don't forget that pre-salvation you were disobedient. I, I know the Jews have have messed up and I know they've rejected my Messiah. But don't you think that you weren't disobedient to me as well? He, what he's doing is Paul is calling them to remember life before they met Jesus. Can, can you do that for a second? Just get on your mind. Life before you met Jesus. Get, get, get on your mind the deceitfulness before you met Jesus. I know you think you are a good person. Get on your mind the sexual promiscuity before you met Jesus. Get on your mind the self-righteousness before you met Jesus. Get on your mind the gossip and the slander and the lack of character and the moral corruption. Get on your mind. Get on your mind the rejection of Jesus before you met him. Here's what you should praise. Because despite... The fact that you were disobedient, God still lavished love on you. God still gave you mercy. God still extended grace. In other words, God's kindness, God gives us kindness and mercy despite our disobedience. You and I don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. There was nothing in us that was lovable, but God said, I love them anyway. And so therefore I must extend to them mercy despite their disobedience. I don't know if you've picked this up, but in in the verses I just read, I read verse verse 32. And between verse 30 and verse 32, four times he uses the word disobedience. But Paul chases the word disobedience with mercy because four times in the same passage He uses the word mercy. It is almost as though Paul is saying every time you are disobedient, God chases it with mercy. Every time you messed up, God chases it with mercy. Every time you had a failure, God chases it with mercy. And here's what I love about the God that I serve. He did not only chase your disobedience with mercy before you met Jesus, but how many of y'all know we need some mercy even after meeting Jesus? I don't know about you, but I messed up a few days in 2020, but I thank God that I serve a God that despite my disobedience, he chases it. With mercy, every time you've met. Get on your mind that one mistake that you made last year. That that one mistake that you were like, I I can't make. Nobody know about it. By God's grace, that thing ain't come out on social media. By God's grace, nobody I wasn't exposed. By God's grace, no, my family and friends don't get that on your mind. And know this, he chases it with mercy. Not for you to do it again, but because of his mercy, you should be so enamored with how gracious he is that you say, God, I can't do that no more. You, you covered it. You, you, you've allowed me to get to the point where I can repent to you. God, you are Merciful. God shows kindness despite our failures. This is what makes coming into a new year so special. This is what makes the fact that you are breathing right now so unique. This is what makes when the clock struck 12 o'clock on New Year's, this is what makes it so powerful because you shouldn't have made it out of 2020. I'm gonna just be honest with you. Your tombstone should have 2020 on it because many people did not make it out of 20. But if you made it out of la- a crazy last year, you ought to give God a praise wherever you are in your house, washing dishes, laying in the bed, whatever it is you are doing, you should put down the fork, stop eating the pancakes, and give God praise because He's extended mercy. He chased your disobedience. Amen with good mercy. God keeps his promise despite our failures. God shows his kindness despite our disobedience. And finally, don't miss this. He receives our worship despite our imperfections. Now, what I love about Paul is he, Paul, Paul, Paul has to be charismatic. You, you, Paul has to be pentecostal you you can't you can't convince me otherwise here's why I know that because paul often gives good theology but then he always follows up with a praise always Paul in chapter eleven. Has been hammering the Jews. He's been hammering the Gentiles. He like listen. Y'all all all made it in by mercy. Ain't none of y'all that dude. All of y'all just made it. He's giving us good theology. He's giving us some hard pills to swallow. Go back to chapter 9. Chapter 9 he gave us some hard truths. But he gets to the end of chapter 11. And he stops giving them theology. And starts praising. Look at what he says here in verse 33. This is called a Doxology. All the depths and the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How unscrutable are his ways. Now he's going to couple two Old Testament passages here. Isaiah 40 and Job 41. He just links them together. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for him For from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be glory forever, in these last verses, Paul stops giving us theology and he allows his theology to move into a doxology. A doxology is nothing more than ascribing praise to God that is different than a benediction. A benediction pronounces a blessing over the gathered assembly. But a doxology forgets the assembly and gives praise to God. What Paul does right here is Paul stops giving them theology and he says, look, my theology is not the means to an end. Theology always leads to praise. Don't miss that. See, we're not going through the book of Romans for you to take notes. We're not going through the book of Romans for you to wax eloquent over theology. We are going through the book of Romans so that when we get to the end of it, you will ascribe praise to God, doxology, all the depths and the wisdom and the knowledge of our God, in these last verses, he teaches us to stop giving theology and let's just worship. And, and let me tell you why they're both important. It is important for you to have theology because theology helps you to understand the one that you are worshiping. See, I'm grateful for, for Jeremiah. Jeremiah, is not gonna, he's not just going to get up here and see. he's going to make sure that he exhorts so that you understand the one that you are worshiping. It is nothing worse than mindlessly worshiping. It is nothing worse than worshiping a God that you don't even know. So it is important for us to sit down and take notes and unpack and study and stop the surface reading. 2021, you should go deeper in theology because theology is nothing more than a study of God. But don't get it twisted, it doesn't stop with theology. theology always moves into praise. If your theology doesn't lead you to praise, I don't want it. If If your theology doesn't lead you to worshiping God, you can keep it. If your theology stops on your notebook, you can have it. Because I want that theology that when I'm done with it, I start walking around my house and saying, oh, the depths and the knowledge, and the wisdom, and the power, and the might of the God. I want to worship a God that I know about. I'm feeling a little excited this morning because I made it out of 2021, and it's nothing like starting a new year on worship. See, this is why at 6 a.m. in the morning, we are getting up, we are brushing our teeth, we are washing our face, and we're going to get on a Zoom prayer call. This is why, see, when I read this verse last week, This this doxology, I I text Kiera real quick and I said, listen, I really need you to lead us in worship to kick off our fast. She said immediately, yeah, absolutely. And the reason why is because we understand that how we start our 2021 is how we end it. You need to start it in worship. You need to start it by praising God. Some of you right now in your house, you, you need to walk around and just start thanking God. You need to get real charismatic. You need to walk around and just say, hallelujah, God, I thank you for you being a promise keeper. I, I thank you that despite my disobedience, you've still allowed me to make it to a new year. I thank you that you have a purpose on my life. I thank you that you have a calling on my life. I thank you, oh God, that you didn't allow me to just be snuffed out by COVID-19. But still, I'm still here. It's nothing but your grace. It is nothing but your mercy. So you need to worship him. That, that's what God, what God wants from you in 2021 is more worship. That's what he wants. He wants you to get out of your comfort zone and stop being contemplative and collective and cool. But he wants to see Worship, and maybe you're sitting here going, "Well, I don't. I really don't know." Like Paul had a better relationship, so Paul knows what to worship him for. I don't know what to worship God for. I don't know when to break out or why to break out in the doxology. Maybe you need a reason. Here's a few reasons: because He's brought you out of a crazy 2020. Do you need another reason? Because He died on the cross for you. Do you need another reason? Because He took you from spiritual death to spiritual life. You need. You need another reason because He took. Away your sins. You need another reason because he gave you his righteousness, a righteousness that is acceptable by a holy God. Without it, you and I wouldn't make it into heaven. But he gave you his righteousness, and these are things that we can worship him for. all oh, the depths and the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Listen, don't allow 2020, 2021 to be the year that you were praiseless. Don't allow it to be the year that you weren't thankful. Don't allow it. And really, honestly, the, the rest of the year, the, this beginning is the most important. If you were running track and you ran some of those, 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 fast, uh, uh, those fast events, the 100 or, or the 200, how you get out the block is the most important part of the race. How, how you, when they shoot that gun and how you run, how you get out is the most important Because starting off is important. And here's what I know about 2021. How do we start off? How do we come out the blocks running well? We do it by worship. We do it by praise. We do it by understanding that God keeps his promise despite our failures. We do it by understanding that God shows his kindness to us despite our disobedience. And we do it by knowing that God receives our worship despite our imperfections. As I land this plane, you should know something about worship. You don't have to be perfect to worship God. You don't have to have it all together to worship God. God receives your worship despite your imperfection. Can, I know I'm ending, but can somebody type that in? He receives our worship despite our imperfections. And so this is how we're going to end this thing. We're just going to slide into worship. We're just going to slide into a moment where we can praise the God of heaven. Let me invite Jeremiah up. I'm just simply going to pray. And after I pray, I just want him to lead us. Lead us to the heart of God. Father, I thank you for this new year. We don't take it for granted. We understand, oh God, that it is your grace and your mercy that has brought us through. And this year, I'm praying for new commitments. For some, It's a recommitment that some people need. We've allowed this pandemic to take more than just our jobs. We've allowed this pandemic to take our spiritual walk and our spiritual depth. Father, I know somebody that's logged on right now has been comfortable being a surface Christian. We don't dig deep. We just stay right above water. Father, this year you're calling for us to go deeper in our knowledge and understanding of you. Go deeper in discipleship. Go deeper in our commitment to investment in our spiritual walk. But at the end of that thing, God, you want to be worshipped. You want to be praised. And so, Father, would you allow us, would you burn in the hearts of your people a deeper level of worship and praise? I pray for new dedications right now. Somebody that has wandered off. Somebody that used to, they started out on fire. Somewhere along the line, they begin to be like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. Where they got cold. They got distant from you. But what brought them back was Jesus opening the scriptures to them. Giving them theology that led to worship. Father, I pray, O oh God, that for the rest of 2021, that we would give you two things. A deeper commitment to theology, but a deeper level of worship. And the deeper we go with understanding and knowing you, the more crazy we should get with our praise. Because we understand that we should be dead. But it is your grace and it is your mercy. Help us, Lord, receive our praise. Receive our worship that is given unto you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.